showtime. to the Rosie and Bill show. Our guest this week has been there, he's done that, and he's coming back to do it again for all the right reasons. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill show, a man on a mission to make a difference for people he meets everywhere, Cletus T. Judd. Cletus, welcome to the show. Hey guys and girls, how are you? <laughs> We're great, Cletus. Thanks for coming on our show. Uh, thank you all very much for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Well, we, we, like Rosie just said, we are absolutely thrilled to have you on. And when we knew you were coming on, <clears throat> there were so many things we thought about, you know, talking about how are we going to condense so much into so little time. And, and what we thought we would do is we would just, we would kind of pick up from a pretty special time, if you will, in your life. And, and what I mean by that is you've in the past, you've sold millions of albums Tens of millions of people have seen your videos on YouTube. You've shared the stage with some of the biggest names in country music. And I am a big time country music fan from Philadelphia. We have them in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, I and, know. I know. Yeah. And yet, several years ago, you stepped away to focus on more important things. So I thought we'd start there, Cletus. Talk to us about that time when you stepped away from the spotlight and what it was that you took away from that time and experience? Uh, Caitlin, my daughter, was uh, born in Nashville in 2004, September of 2004. And right after that, I had taken a job in Tampa doing morning radio down there because I, at that point, I was, you know, I had been doing it a long time. I'd had a uh, a lot of success by the grace of the good Lord. And, but I could tell the, the writing was on the wall, you know, I mean, the tours were starting to slow down and the record sales weren't as much. And, you know, the, I, I didn't want to be that guy, just, just hanging on playing the back of the hay truck, you know, for, for nobody to come and see. And so I took the gig in Florida, which was the hardest thing I'd ever done because I knew there was going to be a big separation with, with Caitlin and I and, uh, but I also had to, you know, make sure that she was took care of, you know, a, as well. And so I took the job and it was probably the hard, one of the hardest times of my life because I was, I was in Tampa and in my contract, I had written it in there that, uh, every, every three weeks I would be, um, I would be able to come home. I would drive to Russell about a thousand about it was about a thousand miles I think uh see my daughter spend a week with her and then turn around and drive a thousand a little over a thousand miles back you know and each time I would leave I mean it was just debilitating you know the the pain and the heartache and the tears and I mean it's just almost unbearable I mean it, as much as as much as I wanted to suck it up and enjoy it you know I knew that the the outcome was going to be daddy leaving again, you know, and uh, so I never really could could grasp the goodness from worrying about the sadness. And um, 
there was times that uh, there was one particular time I dropped Caitlin off in Lexington with her mom, and it was just such a such a hard time that I, I remember throwing up on the side of the, the interstate on 65 from crying so hard. And there was a time that I knocked my passenger, I mean, my driver's side window, hit it with my fist and cracked it. And mainly because I was just so, so sad, you know, and uh, I would lay down there in Tampa and, and lay in my bed and go, Lord, you know, I got X amount of dollars in the bank. I tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll give it all to the church down here on first Avenue. If you'll let me get that daddy daughter dance back that I'm going to miss this weekend. And, it, you know, the answer monetarily was always no. You know, you I've always said you can't buy them back little, you know, uh, and you can't buy memories. I, I've learned that, you know, once it's once it's a memory, it's that's all it is. You can't buy back the reality of it. And so um, one day my boss came in and he handed me a, a, a an envelope and he said, hey, take this home and read it. And let me know what you think. So I didn't think anything about it. And I opened it up later on that night and it was a contract for the station at CBS for five years for $2 million. And I screamed and yelled and called my buddies and they all flew down and we partied all weekend, uh, you know, just going out like guys do. And, and I thought, you know, I finally done it. You know, it's a lot of money. And then all of a sudden that Sunday night, all my friends left and I was left with nothing but a bunch of pictures. And, um, I would walk through the house, this big house that I was living in. And I would look in her bedroom that she had never even been to, uh, those pictures, you know, didn't say, I love you daddy at night. You know, they didn't say good morning, dad. And so I thought about it and thought about it. And I stayed up all night. I never even went to bed. And I wrote, I took the envelope out that morning and I wrote in a Sharpie. I just put, you're worth more than what's in the inside of this envelope. And I sealed it, signed it. And I think it's either at my attorney's office or in her hope chest. And I told him that I, I couldn't take the job. And that began the journey of me getting back to where I am now, which is, which is here, you know, and, uh, Best move I ever made for sure. Now she thinks I'm crazy. She's 17 almost now. And she's like, dad, I could have let you stay down there for 2 million a little while longer. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, uh, that's one thing I've learned. And, and you know, that those things that I just talked about it, money, that they're unattainable, you know, no, no amount of money in the world can buy back what you miss. Trust me. As, as someone, Cletus, even though it was, I was on, on the corporate side for a long time and I spent a lot of nights in hotels and in different places and a lot of thousands of miles on the road. And years ago, I wrote a song for my daughter called I Miss You Daddy. And I know exactly, I, as you're saying these things, I can totally identify with, with what you're saying because you can't get that time back. Yeah, man. I, I, I spoke at a um, Ducks Unlimited banquet one night and and there were some pretty highfalutin people there. And I, I said, raise your hand if you got a, a hundred grand in the bank, not thinking anybody would, you know, wouldn't put anybody on the spot, but it was being facetious. And a um, couple of guys raised their hand. I said, raise your hand if you got a half a million dollars in the bank. And a couple of guys raised their hand. I said, how about a million? Have we got, can I get a million out of you? And actually several guys raised, raised their hand. And I said, I'll make you a deal write a check for what you've missed making that million, write a check for what you've missed trying to make that million and let me know if you can buy it back. And you could have, you could have heard a pin drop in the, 
and, and there, there's just sacrifices. We all make them as parents, you know, we, we make sacrifices for our kids, but there comes a time when you, you have to weigh the, weigh the sacrifices, the, the risk and the reward. And I had gotten to the point where I just, I had said, okay, I'm coming to Kentucky. I don't care if I lose everything I got. I don't care if I got to sell cars for a living. I don't care about any of that. I'm going home to be a daddy. And uh, I, I, I've, I've never looked back. It's the most rewarding thing. It's one of the hardest things, you know, being a parent's not easy. I got beautiful stepchildren, you know, that are wonderful. Uh, but, and you know what, and it's not easy on them either. You know, it's, uh, it's tough being a teenager nowadays. God, I can't even fathom, you know, our, our only trouble we got into back when I was a kid is sleeping on the railroad tracks or something, you know, oh nowadays. <laughs> It's, it's such a, it's such, it's so hard to, to be a teenager and the temptations and social media has ruined, I think, the social life of, of uh, teenagers. They don't know how to communicate. They, they, they just don't without text or Snapchat and, and mine as well. But they'll, I've told Caitlin and my Isabella both, they'll never be a boy. She'll up at, at the house and text my daughter and say, hey, I'm here because I'll kick his car windows out. <laughs> He's going to come knock on the door at my house. <laughs> Trust me. Yes, of course. Manners, yeah. etiquette, all of the respect, all of those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Cletus, I'm glad you followed your heart because, like you said, you don't have any regrets that way. And 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 you'll thank yourself for having done it. So you have all this beautiful time and, and have created all these memories with your daughter. Now you mentioned Kentucky. I want to go back to uh, a night that you opened for your idol, Ray Stevens. And that was something that really had a great impact on you. Will you share with our audience what Ray said to you in front of the fans at the end of the concert and how they reacted? Well, they had reached out to me. I, I wasn't really doing any touring anymore, you know, or anything. And, um, one of the buyers reached out and said, Hey, would you come down and, and, and do a show? And I said, man, I, I can't even remember the words of the songs you know, <laughs> anymore, you know? And he said, well, I think you'd want to do this one because it's with, with Ray Stevens. And of course, Ray is one of my idols, him and weird Al Yankovic. And uh, I said, well, if, 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 if Ray's there, then, then I'll, I'll make an exception. And uh, so I went down and, and I, I, I went out and, and I, did, I did my show, maybe 30 or 45 minutes, and, and I got a standing ovation. And there was probably six, 7,000 people there at the theater. And it was, it, it, you know, it was just a feeling that's hard to, to put into words. But what happened after that was... Uh, was just something you know that only happens in once or twice in a lifetime but you know when I got done I walked off stage and Ray said now why why did you say you retired and I said well Ray I just didn't feel like nobody if I didn't have no relevance anymore I just felt like my time was up and God gave me the my little you know few minutes of fame and and I just felt like my time's up. And he said, well, about 8,000 people disagree with you. And that's the ones that are out there standing up cheering for you. And he said, hell, I don't even know if I'm going to get a standing ovation or not. And he said, if I, were you, if I was you, I would, uh, I would reconsider uh, 
because, you know, there's, there's not many of me and you left, you know, there's not a lot of musical comics in our format anyway, you know, now there's Cable Guy and, you know, Reno Collier and so many great comics, but now music wise, and of course I would never put myself on the level, nowhere near the talent of Ray, but uh, it, was a, it was a monumental night. And when Ray was inducted in the hall of fame, I called him and, and congratulated him. And, and he's still just as sweet and charming as charming as ever, but he's the reason that I, that I had a chance to come back. Yeah. Were you nervous opening for him? I tell you, I was more nervous when I did the, the Ray Stevens tribute record several years ago called Boogity Boogity, a tribute to the great Ray Stevens. And leading up to that record, I never turned my radio or CD player on anything for three months except Ray Stevens music. I never listened to a song. I never listened to the radio. I listened to 24. Every time I was in my vehicle, I listened to Ray's music because I wanted to get his inflections and because some of that stuff was just genius, you know, what, what he did and his character. And, uh, and so I called him and I told him I was doing the album and he said he was flattered and so forth. And I said, but here's the catch. I want you to maybe come and do the streak with me. And he said, and you know, you're, I mean, we're talking the streak, one of the, the greatest, one of the greatest satirical songs of all time. And Ray says, sure, I'll, I'll come do it with you. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so one afternoon, me and my producer, Krispy Kreme Clark, was in the uh, in the studio. And man, here comes Ray. And I'd already done my part, you know, and I did that. Look at that, look at that. There you go. Look at that, look at that. And Ray come in. I said, I got to, I got to leave. I said, as bad as I want to sit here and as bad as I want to watch my idols sing, I can't do it. I got to go outside. So I I went outside and then I would step back in because the door and I had my ear to the door. And it was a surreal moment because I had my ear to the door and Ray was in the vocal booth and he was in there going, uh, you know, uh, there he was running through the pole beans, through the fruits and vegetables. I'm thinking. <laughs> and and th this was the surreal moment because as a kid, I got in trouble at Cloverleaf Elementary School when I heard the streak. I, I was going to try. I took my shirt off and ran across the gym. I didn't take my clothes off, but I pulled my shirt over my shoulders. And Coach Alexander, he gave me three licks because I, 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 I had my shirt off. And I was in the fourth grade, I think. And then, you know, fast forward so many years later, I don't even know how many years that is, of all the things I went through and the trials and tribulations and uh, just everything. And then here I am you know, just with, with my idol, you know, he's, he's on the other side of an eight inch wall and it's, uh, and I, you know, listen, I am the epitome of a dreamer. You won't interview anybody ever in your show. That's a bigger dreamer than I am. Uh, how some of them have came true. I have no idea. I guess it's just good Lord puts his hand on my shoulder and feels sorry for me, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I've, I've truly been blessed in, in some things and in other things I've, I've struggled for sure. One of the things, uh, Cletus, that I wanted to touch on and, and I applaud you for being a dreamer. That That's one thing that I consider myself as a dreamer. And, and it's another reason why we're so happy to have you on the show with us is that you are a big dreamer. And like you said, a lot of them come true, but I, I wanted to go back to Caitlin just for a minute because there was a time uh, we understand when you were contemplating your comeback 
and there were discussions with the family and Caitlin had some, some pretty strong feelings and a powerful message for you, but there was a message you shared about being a dad on your Facebook page. And as the dad of a daughter, I hope you don't mind. I actually wrote it down. And for people that didn't see this, I want them to hear it. Oh, but sure. This is, this is so powerful, Cletus. This is my claim to fame right here. No other accomplishment is greater than that of being called a dad. I know we've had our ups and downs, disagreements as any dad and daughter do, but one thing is for sure, the love I have for you is immeasurable. Thank you for the gift of being a dad. I hope I make you proud, at least sometimes, dad. From another dad of a daughter, thank you for saying this better than I think any of us could. Man, I, it, sometimes I, you know, when I, when I asked Caitlin years ago before Amanda and I were married and I, I had said, I talked to her about maybe trying to come back and as, as Amanda and I were getting married and, you know, our new family was starting and, and I talked to Caitlin at length about it because, you know, when you, when you're away from them, as long as I was and intermittently and you know, I have to live with that the rest of my life. You know, uh, you, I can't get back the, the time or the days or the years that I was in and out. But I said, Caitlin, what, what do you think? You know, you know, you're old enough to, to help me make this decision. And, and you're a part of this decision. And, and she took a deep breath and she said, well, she said, if you're, if you're going to go out and sing them silly old songs, if you're going to go out and just aggravate all the nonsense like you used to do all them years, she said, Dad, I'd, I'd really rather you stay home. But if you're going to go out and share your testimony, share your message, share your shortcomings, share your debacle, and share your, your outcome for the betterment of other people, she said, then I'll just hang around here and wait till you get home. Mm. And uh, that was a reaffirmation for me that it was okay to, it was okay to go. You know, I, I think the best, best thing I've ever said in the last five or 10 years, five years was probably the first go around, uh, th those fans changed my life. The second go around, it's my turn to try and change theirs. And by doing that, you know, I'm very adamant about my mission from this point, what God has left for me in my life. And it, it is not to go, go to a bar, go to a honky tonk, sing if Shania was mine. Those, those songs were wonderful to me. They, they gave me a life that I never would have ever imagined. Uh, I didn't have all the talent that, that a lot have. But those songs are, and they'll always be a part of my life. They'll always be a part of my kids' life, my, my grandchildren after I'm dead and gone. But the mission that I'm on now is to stand before the masses and make sure that it don't ha what happened to me don't happen to them. And if it does, how you can overcome it and how you can battle through it. You know, I uh, August, I don't remember the exact date, August, 1990, you know, I, I, I tried to take my own life because I didn't feel like I was worthy. I want to spend the last years of my life just trying to share my message uh, 
about hope and inspiration and no matter the age you know you're never too old to dream if you got a heartbeat and a a mind you know you can you can accomplish i'm I'm as driven at 56 years old as i was in my 30s when i was running up down music road uh it's just a different passion for me and um i'll tell you a quick little story that i hope you'll enjoy it's one of the most wonderful things that's ever been said to me is in 2004, I was on the bus with Brooks and Dunn, Toby Keith, Keith Urban, Montgomery Gentry, late Troy, um, Troy Gentry. And um, we were watching my inside fame that was on CMT, which is like a behind the music, you know, and we all watched it and I cried and the guys watched it and they never said a word. They didn't say great good nothing but i could see that i could see in their eyes how they were happy for me and that the following weekend i came home and i went to a little club in nashville uh one night it was seven eight o'clock at night and a girl came up to me and she said are you cletus t judd and i said well i sure am and she said well i want to tell you a story she said i'm a songwriter from seattle washington and I moved here three years ago to be a singer songwriter. And she said, I've never had a song cut, never had a song published, and I've never been on TV and I ain't never played the opera. So she said, about a week ago, I'd call my parents to come and get me in a U-Haul. I said, mom, I can't do it anymore. So just drive down, let's get this over with. And I'm gonna come home and get a job. And she said, last Saturday, I was in my one bedroom apartment on Demumbrium, and she said, I was packing my boxes. My parents had already called to say what time they were leaving. And she said, my TV was on in the living room. And she said, your inside pain came on. And so she said, I turned the volume up as I was packing. And she said, I kept listening and watching. And she said, with every commercial break, instead of packing my boxes, I found myself unpacking And she said, by the time the show was over, I didn't have anything in boxes. And I called my mom and said, don't bring the U-Haul. I can do this. And she said, because of what I saw you go through and what you did, I feel like I can do this. Now, I don't know whatever happened to the young lady. But uh, for for once in my life, for that brief moment, that, that made a difference in somebody's life. Wow. That's an incredible story. Yeah. And that's it, the thing you don't know, and you can never know how many people you're reaching in, 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 with your music, with your stories. So you just have to be true to your heart and to yourself. And, and it sounds like everything that you went through had a higher purpose, even though you may not have known it at the time. You know, I was on TikTok a few months ago and uh i was kind of new to tiktok and i enjoy that platform it's it's fun for me because i get to reconnect with with people that you know were kids when i was going through that listened to me and i had a gentleman reach out to me on a private message and he said hey cletus i i don't want to burden you with all this but he said my mom and dad used to whip me because um i would listen to your records so much uh, and your cassettes so much that to the point where I had to hide them underneath my pillow at night 
And he said, but the bad part about it is those records got me through my mom and dad fighting and cussing and throwing things at one another. And he said, when I would get sad and didn't think I could hang in there, I would sneak to another room and get a cassette player and I would listen to your songs and I would laugh. And he said, it helped me get through a, a few bad months of a childhood. And, and, you know, I didn't know that when I was out doing them things, I didn't know who was watching. You know, when you, when you become something that you think you never would become, you, you forget sometimes the impact that you have. You get so caught up in, with money and fame and women and traveling and touring and big houses. And I told somebody one time I spent my whole professional life looking for happiness in million dollar houses and hundred thousand dollar cars. And I finally found it in a $6 Bible. My mom gave me, you know, so, you know, just it's uh, you just never know whose life you impact, but I'll make you a promise. And I don't care if I got to go through 25 managers, 15 booking agents. I'll, I'll never waver from this point forward on what I want to do with my life moving forward ever. It ain't, it ain't, a, it's not monetary. If I can't go somewhere and make a difference, I ain't going. Simple as that. Well, that's quite a calling that you have. And you, you are doing that. In fact, on Facebook, you had a, a video that was really touching where you helped a young lady um, with a car and you said it was one of the most amazing days you've ever experienced. Talk to us about that. What happened? Well, a uh, young lady that goes to school with my, my kids, her name is Bree and she ran, I was, I'll make it kind of short, but uh, I was pumping gas in an old Lexus that I had. I'd had it for years and uh, she ran out and she said, hey, Mr. Mr. Judge, she said, I, I work here, which I knew she did. She said, I'll, I'll pay you every month for a year till I get that car paid off and, and then you can give me the title. She said, I, I don't have a way to get back and forth to church and my car is broke down. And, and she said, but I'll pay you every month and then you can give me the title. If I miss it, you can keep all the money and the title and I'll give you the car back. And very, very innocent. And, as she was telling me that story, I knew what I was going to do. I just knew. And uh, I, I, I said, well, let me think about it, Bree. And, and I went, rode around the block. I called the man of my wife and I told her, I said, you know, I, I know what I'm going to do here. And she said, yeah, I think I know what you're going to do too. And uh, so I drove back down there that afternoon and I called her outside and I said, hey, you really like this car? And I said, you sure you can pay for it? She said, I, I promise. I know I can. And I said, well, you don't have to. You don't have to pay for it because I'm going to give it to you. Here's the title and the keys. The only thing I ask is that if you, when you get ready to get rid of it, that you in return will go find somebody else to give that car to. Don't ever sell it. You know, go go give it away because that's that's a material thing. All these kids over here in Fairland, um, you stay steadfast in your Christianity. Uh, you just march to your own drum, and there's not many 16-year-olds that do that. Whether you catch black for it, I mean, you said, I'll play basketball, but I'm going to wear a dress. I'll throw the shot put, but I'm going to wear what I wear to, to honor the good Lord and, and my beliefs. And so with that being said... Is it mine? Sure. Really? Free of charge. <laughs> That's what, uh, that's not a pity story. That's not, oh, 
poor breed because you work like a dog, you do great things, and uh, if anybody deserves to have this car, you do. You got it. There ain't no better side than that right there. You know, uh, two years ago, I had the opportunity to do something that, and, and this, this quick story, there's a family in town here. The grandparents are raising four grand, four grandkids. The kids sleeping, we're sleeping in a single wide trailer on the floor. Great family. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but too many grandparents are having to raise kids nowadays anyway. And, um, I knew their situation and, and the dad, the grandfather said the only thing he'd ever wanted in his life that he didn't give his kids was a, their own private bedroom. Now, what kind of, you know, where, where, you know, I've got five or six in this house, you got families living two miles from here. That's five or six kids on the floor sleeping in one bedroom. And with that being said, I, I had bought a, a house that I was going to remodel about 20 minutes, 15 minutes from here. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And she said, yeah, I think I know what you're going to do. And I, I remodeled that entire house with the help of some people in the community. It was all out of pocket. I four bedroom, two bath, new roof, new everything, you name it. And on Christmas Eve, two years ago, we invited that family to come. They thought we're coming to an open house, but what they were coming to was their house. And I gave them that house as a Christmas gift for their family. And, and Webster's don't have a word, you know, uh, what was such a, you know, is only maybe a thousand square foot home, but you know what it was, it was a home. It was a home, we made it a home. And the next night after that, the, the grandmother called my wife and said, tonight is the first, this morning is the first morning that I actually get to go in separate bedrooms and wake my grandkids up. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't say, I don't tell those stories for accolades or pats on the back. I tell them because I hope somebody else that may watch this podcast will go, dang, I got some guitars over here. I give away, or, you know, I got an old flat screen TV out here in the garage. Ain't nobody watched in months, you know, hell go give it away. You know, I mean, we all got to make a living, but there's, there's, there's minute things you can do to change a person's life. It may change their son. It changes mine a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it, it makes me walk different, talk different, feel different, attitude different. I've always said I'd be, I, I would love to have been Elvis Presley because Elvis had such a big heart. And uh, I've talked to people that work with Elvis, Joe Muscayo and people that, that were with Elvis. And they said, listen, People don't know the heart that man had. He lived for his mother and giving stuff away. And if I, I'd be dangerous if I had Elvis money. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, uh, there'd be a lot of happy people around. But uh, I enjoy those things. Well, I, I will say this: when we started, when we started our show, Cletus, one of our primary goals was to be a source of positivity and good news on social media. And we've been blessed to have some incredible, amazing, talented guests. And having you and listening to all the things you've done and just the joy you're taking in making a difference 
and being an inspiration to people. Just as, as excited as we were to know you were coming on the show, we're even more excited now that we've gotten to know you more. And we're so much, we are just so grateful and appreciative of everything you're doing and for joining us tonight. We really and truly are. Well, not near as grateful as, as probably I am because I, I, I'm just very appreciative of, of any and all opportunity. You know, so, sometimes opportunity presents itself. Other times you have to present yourself to the opportunity. And uh, I, I've been blessed. You know, I've been rich and miserable. I've been, I've been broke and happy. Uh, I've experienced about all the gamuts. You know, I can ride around that thousand dollar jet and have just as much fun as I can in a fifty thousand dollar Mercedes. It's I'm unaffected by those things now. Thank goodness, and uh, thank y'all for having me on. I, I hope somebody that that watches it will maybe, you know, pick up a guitar or or maybe call a long lost friend or maybe go apply for a job they don't think they're qualified for. But um, thank y'all for having me on and, uh, and I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, Cletus, we thank you and we wish you and your beautiful family all the best and you're a, a tremendous soul. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very kind. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great evening. Thank you. Folks, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Yeah, what's up everybody? Cletus T. Judd is back and unhealthy as ever. That's right. Featuring the Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia line. That's right. Let's get after it. I love my chicken fried, my taters piled up high, scoop of coleslaw on the side, about Joe Diffie wide. Don't bother me at all, watching my cholesterol going up, down, up, down, up, down. Tonight I'm going to to see how much I gain from the China Walk Buffet. Number eight from Hickville. I'll be drowning in sweat on that stair step. Or going up, down, up, down, up, down. Oh, I'm just choking it down here at Chicken Chief. Pouring on them pounds. Love that brown gravy. Dessert and a jug of sweet tea. I turn it up, down, up, down, up. Going up, down.